Tim, I, I know you're on social media, so you've seen some of the momentous news that's gone on this week, but the Supreme Court handed mm-hmm. out a pretty big ruling against the NCAA uh, for compensation of athletes, right? Nine to zero mm-hmm. was the ruling. Um, so if you believe the Supreme Court is being more polarizing and maybe they're not going to vote uh, along anything but partisan political lines, uh, and a lot of rulings this week that has not been the case. Um, I think this is a a death knell to the NCAA as the way that they continue to run their yep. system, which is a system that benefits off the backs of black and brown <laughs> students across America uh, and, you know, white students as well. But um, it's unpaid labor. They have millions upon millions of dollars yep. in TV deals, shoe deals, contracts. And yet if an athlete does anything, their amateurism is lost. And for the longest time, this whole thing about amateurism has been like, we're trying to save the game while charging you $79.95 to be able to watch your favorite SEC team. Uh, it's, yep. it's a farce. Um, there was a, a lawsuit actually went up in 2009 because there was a, a NCAA player who noticed that their name, image, and likeness was in the NCAA football game and they were not paid for it. Um, that was based a little bit off what this ruling was and for it to go to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, highest court in the United States, and for them to rule 9-0 against the NCAA, uh, it's it's a great changing of the tide. I think that obviously the NCAA realized for a long time that they that the gig was up. Many states, California, Texas, Florida, um, are now having name, image, and likeness laws so that their own athletes in those states can profit at least a little bit. The NCAA mm-hmm. is going to figure out how they're going to manage this, but this is a L for the NCAA. Yeah. This is a really, really, really big L. I, I personally love it. I love it so yeah. much because it's fantastic that we're going to see not just a shot across the bow of the NCAA. This is this is a kneecap. <laughs> this is yeah. This is you gotta you gotta go ahead and go back to the drawing board because we're essentially telling you what you've gotten away with for the last fifty years under the guise of amateurism mm-hmm. is wage murder, and it, we won't stand for it anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the judges came out and quoted that in any other industry, what they're doing is totally legal. And there's a whole segment of the population where I've actually had this conversation. I've had this conversation with on-air commentators before uh, who have said that you know they're in favor of athletes not being paid because they have access to the best medical staff. They have access to all of these great things. Their tuition is paid for. Whatever. Uh, those are all very, very true and valid points, but that doesn't necessarily come close to equating to what the teams themselves generally bring in for those schools. Now, this isn't, this isn't a blanket statement. This isn't all schools. This isn't every single school that has, uh, you know, some sort of sports program. Obviously this is targeted for a lot of the big ones. Now, is this also going to impact some of those smaller schools negatively? It is. Like, if if the ruling ends up coming out, or sorry, if the situation ends up turning out where, like, schools now have to pay their athletes, uh, you know, some of these smaller schools are going to struggle that might be competing and putting up talent, but don't have the same financial stability that someone like, uh, you know, any of the SEC schools or the Big Ten schools have. Um, so I'll be I'll be interested to see interested to see if this comes down on the 
schools to pay out or if this opens up the ability for players to seek their own form of compensation without risking the loss of their amateur status. Now, if this allows them to go out and make their own deals with Nike, okay, great. You're going to have some kids coming out of college that are going to be wealthy and other kids who aren't making any money off of it. But as long as the schools, I, th I think in order for this to work, the schools themselves may not necessarily need to be on the hook for any sort of major income, right? They're, I've always thought the way they should, should handle it is to come up with sort of like a base salary that they everyone gets paid. No more, yep. no less. Doesn't matter what school you're going to. Or if what you sport play, you play for. If you play Division One sport of any kind, you should be given like $20,000 a year, right? Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but you're already in a situation where everything you have is paid for. $20,000 is more like $60,000 in those scenarios because you're not paying living expenses, you're not paying food. In those cases, they're not playing... Uh, they're not paying out medical expenses. Everything that they're doing is being covered at that moment. So whether it's 30000 or 40000 it has to be something that can be scaled amongst all, all schools. Because what will happen if you make it too high, teams are going to be forced to, or schools are going to be forced to either nix sports programs altogether because they can't afford it, downgrade their division, uh, or make cuts another part of the institution to help keep up for some of those things. Because the flip side of this coin is that a lot of times some of the prowess and some of the prestige and some of the success a lot of these schools have is because of the money they have available to pour back into their own system, whether that's the the services they offer their students, whether that's the boosters, the facility, the the faculty they're able to pay, whatever the case may be, the large revenue generation that gets put back into the school comes from uh, comes from sports. Now, there are lots of ways to figure out how to make up some of this money. How about not paying a college coach twenty million dollars? How about not paying probably a, a, start. A, a, a college coach, you know, ten years, a hundred million dollars, anything crazy like that? Make it reasonable because you're not paying the people who are working for him more than. Let's say a salary. I mean, I, I haven't gone in and, and looked to see what the overall value of what some of these college uh, tuition plus room and board plus all that balances out to. But I'm going to go ahead and assume it's not even close to a million dollars a year, let alone $10 yeah. million a year. Uh, and what does that really cost the school? I know on paper, you're going to write down some numbers because that's what you're charging the general public and everybody else is coming in. But really, at the end of the day, what does that really cost you? And maybe this starts to refocus on the actual educational side of college football now because, okay, you're not going to pay them. What is their money going towards? Oh, it's going towards the school and their education. Okay, let's dial back some of those sports then and let's make sure they're getting their education because I'm willing to bet if you look at the hours that those athletes spend in a classroom comparative to their peers, I'm going to assume it's probably a lot less. How much more time are they spending on campus in what, what people often don't understand in college sports is they're like, oh, well, they got room and board and they have to just play a game once a week. Nobody has any ideas what two-a-days look like, what weight room trainings yeah. look like, what off-seasons look like. These guys don't go home very often, even during the off-season, because they're staying on campus, they're training, 
they're keeping up like summer programs to make sure that they're in shape for the fall ball, ball. That is yep. a, it is a time investment that people do not even realize, don't even realize. So to say they're room and bore and their health and all that, they're putting their health on the line for like long term by playing this sport for free in and, which your college is making billions of dollars off of. Yeah. And if there's any, any injuries or anything that, that, that could possibly derail their amateurism. That's it. Their scholarship is yeah. gone. Um, the yeah. NCAA has acted without impunity for decades. Yeah. Uh, and that's why this ruling is so crazy. You talked about Justice Kavanaugh's blistering concurrence with uh, Neil Gorsuch, who wrote for the court, quote, according to NPR, the NCAA seeks immunity from the normal operation of antitrust laws. An immunity, which Gorsuch said, is justified neither by the antitrust law nor the previous Supremes of the Supreme Court. That's huge. Basically, he said, like, thanks for bringing it to us. But when you brought it to us last time, it wasn't a good case. And when you brought it to us this time, you're in the wrong, pretty much. Um, noting that the big-time NCAA sports, basketball, 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 and football, have turned into a multi-billion-dollar business, Gorsuch said that a couple sentences from a 1984 opinion did not declare then or now that it's some sort of immunity from antitrust based on the concept of amateurism. You just don't mm. see this type of consensus in the highest court in the land. You usually see uh, a simple majority, a, a 5-2, a 7-2, like depending on how many justices you have sitting. But like, wow. I don't think that for as much as doom and gloom as everyone's saying that the NCAA is going to change, I don't believe that. The NCAA has made plenty of money. They know they, they, they lasted through a pandemic, okay, and where a lot of other industries – folded and did not survive and we still had college football we still had professional sports the ncaa is very lucky in the fact that they own a spot on the career ladder to play in the professional leagues they have no competition yep. the g league cool it's a developmental league uh, this league that wants to pay high school and college players you know one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year like to not play in college that may give them some prestige in the short term, but it's not really a threat. The NCAA has a monopoly on the market. They have for a long time, and they will continue to have one. They are now going to have to, what, pay out money. So their pockets won't be as fat as they used to be. I hope you hear me playing this tiny violin that's playing Justin Timberlake's Crimey River. Because I, think I, I do not care. <laughs> pay the athletes. The last thing I'll say on it is that well, I am, I'm, I'm for it. Let's pay them. Let's do everything we can. It's not going to be all rainbows and sunshine when this is over. There's going to be fallout. There's going to yep. be some uh, unfortunate shakeups that are going to happen. Some of your favorite teams that are sort of lower on the rung uh, in terms of size and, and, and whatnot are probably going to disappear from the sporting world. Um, there are probably a lot of music and art programs that are going to fall to the wayside in place of, uh, sports because, you know, people care more about sports than they do any of those other functions and schools are going to have to find a way to make up this money. You may see cuts in like tuition, or sorry, in, uh, salaries for educators. You might see a dip in the quality of educators. There's there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come as a shortfall to this. 
I just none of those they... cuts should come at the expense of the university. Because that was not why the, the like you're you're talking about cuts the academic like like programs like mm-hmm. oh you might you might lose art you might have to not pay some professors. The professors did just as much work to graduate the students as the coaches did to get them to win football games when they were there. Yeah. So yeah, I don't no, necessarily, my, my, and I know, I know some universities, you, you're saying it out loud because some universities are going to do it. Some big SEC school or ACC school is going to say, hello, Mr. Cronin. Thank you for teaching sports science for years. But because of this oppressive name, image, and likeness law, we can no longer, like they won't say it like that, but they'll come up with something like, we're going to downsize your position before yeah, your tenure or something like it, that it'll be now you know so the 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 problem is going to be that all of these schools who have come up with all these budget forecasts are going based off of what their income is being generated by their athletic teams especially a lot of these big schools when something comes along and makes a significant impact on that there are shortfalls now again if this if it basically just opens it up for the players to seek their own deals and find ways to make their own payments, then great. Uh, sort of the, the cynical side of me can also see bigger schools now coming up with like Nike deals to say, hey, we're going to bring in the best talent. You guys sign them. And now here we go. Now an athlete, you know, I could promise you'll make $950,000 a year if you come to our school. We won't pay it to you. But we have uh, a good relationship with Nike. We have a good relationship with Adidas. We have a good relationship with the Under Armour. And most of our athletes, wink, wink, nod, nod, that come in, end up getting promotional deals. We have a great partnership with EA. They come into our school all the time. They are always, a lot of our athletes make $50,000 a year from, from EA for being part of their franchise because those games are coming back. There, there's a lot of slippery slopes that are going to come as a shortfall you know, after this is all said and done. But the big thing, if you have a school who, a a majority of their income is based off of their athletic programs and you're making a significant dent into that. They're going to either have to make cutbacks or find other ways to make up that money, whether it's increased tuitions, whether it's cutting funding for programs that are less popular to save that money, who knows? But you know, there, there is no sugarcoating it. It's going to negatively impact every single school Unfortunately, it's going to impact the smaller schools more than it is the bigger schools. So it's going to, in my opinion, reshape the sports landscape from a, a college perspective. And I actually think this kind of pushes more players towards G leagues and things like that. Cause now you can't get into a good school because that school can't afford to bring you in and pay you uh, a normal tuition. So they've just gotten rid of their football program. So, okay. The hell with it. I'm just going to go play in a G League somewhere. I'm going to play in a development league somewhere. I'm going to go somewhere because you're going to end up with like 40 schools monopolizing, you know, all the best talent in the U.S. or, you know, globally because they have the means to pay, whether it's boosters or endowments or partnerships they've made with the big ones like Ole Miss. Sure. Are they going to get one? But is like, you know, UCF going to get something? Oh, of course. Maybe. Yeah, no, you like UCF. Well, I, I think but like I think, smaller colleges are they're just not going to anymore. So everyone's going to lose out to the bigger colleges. Everyone now it's gonna that is that, a byproduct. That, that is a byproduct of how bloated the NCAA Division One, Two, II, and Three brackets have gotten with all these sure. subdivisions having over a thousand Division One like you know programs. Like mm-hmm. everyone wants the money. Well, agreed. 
if, but the if trade-off has to, been that if you're going to make that money yep. off of unpaid labor, you should have thought, hey, if something changes and we absolutely have to do something and we need to, we need to compensate these athletes, how do we do it? You got to be forward thinking in the same way. And this, this is why I don't necessarily agree with you on, on the cuts that are coming. They've seen this for a while, but they've just said, oh, it's an NCAA problem. It's not our problem. That's someone else's problem. It looks like it sucks over there, but we're not going to deal with it right now. Alabama is going to be able to pay athletes to come there. They're going to be just fine because Alabama is, is a turnkey program. Someone else in Nick Saban's program could run that operation, not necessarily to the same level that he runs it, but the way that he has built that culture there, that's going to be there forever, right? Small schools like North Dakota State, maybe not. UCF, maybe not. USM, for example, doesn't have a football team. So, I mean, they're, they're, they don't have to worry about this, but like you have a lot of schools that have these programs and they, they say, we're going to take your blood money. We're going to take the money that, that you're going to earn based off of the boosters, based off of the stadium, the TV deals, everything that you're going to get for athletes that we're going to recruit and give them just room and board intuition. And that most of them are going to graduate and we're okay with that. That's fine. Sign the dotted line. We'll take your money. Alabama has a 96% graduation rate. Mm-hmm. People don't want to leave Alabama, even though they can, they can get drafted. The minute they're eligible, they're like, nah, I'm going to stay an extra year. I'm going to get that degree. And I'm going to go like top well, 15. It, it, I mean, that, that's pretty wild. But, and but I understand how, that Alabama is not the same as those, everything else. But. If, we're, if we're, you know, buying into stereotypes and we're talking about, you know, exceptions made for athletes, how many of those athletic graduations are like, Real wink, wink, nod, nod. Athletic graduations, right? How many of them are not documented as not graduating because their enrollment is still open and they go back later and finish it? Like all that's, I'm saying is, if you run a company, you bring up a very good point because that's that's how the NCAA has been winning both hands mm-hmm. at the poker table, right? They've been sitting down, they have two hands every time. You only have one hand as a player, and you're not getting the good cards. Basically. The NCAA starts out with two pair in both of their hands, and they're just waiting for the flop to see if they're going to get a flush or royal flush. They don't really care because if you get injured, they're going to pick someone else to replace you. So this forces them to be more decisive about the development of the players and the game, which is what they should be doing all along, but they haven't. They've commoditized it. Major L for NCAA. I mean, I, I'm, it, it I'm looking not, at it a different way. It turns it turns players into more of a commodity than it does. Uh, players are already think, a commodity. No, Trevor Lawrence was this, a commodity from the minute he said Deshaun Watson to a sure, of a lower. But, but at least then they're like, oh, you're an income stream. Now you're an actual employee. There's you're a drastic stream. difference. Yes. But there's, there's yeah. But now there's, there's, there's a protection difference. But now also comes the pressure of av- you know not only are you an employee. But now we need you to go ahead and continue to generate income for us. And now if something arises and let's say they're not performing, can they be fired and just cut from the team and the institution altogether because they're no longer a revenue stream? They're they're struggling. What whatever the case may be, can you quote unquote be fired from college? Now, if you're a business owner and your business model is to have nothing but interns as your employment staff, knowing that, okay, when you're done with me, I will hand you off to an organization that's going to pay you a ton of money. And while all of you aren't going to make it, uh, I can promise like 20% of you are going to go on and make a shit ton of money. 
If I can't pay you right now, I'm just planning on when I'm done, you guys are going to go on and be successful. But while you're working for me, we're going to do all these things. I'm going to develop you guys. I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars. And I have a thousand employees who are all interns. And then suddenly I have to pay a thousand employees, not just a little bit of money. There's going to be a significant amount of money that they're going to have to get paid out. A thousand employees by $40,000 a piece. I'm crippled. Like that is, I'm no longer able to forecast the way, Great no matter how far out I plan that, no matter how far I could read the tea leaves to see that this is going to come, you know, you said a thousand programs. There's like 50 guys just on a football roster. That's not mm-hmm. including baseball, track and field, any one of those scenarios. Suddenly teams are paying out $50 million in some sort of compensation to these players. If that's And this, again, this is if that's the direction it goes in. Some schools are going to absorb that. It's going to be a hit to everyone. Some schools are going to absorb that. It's literally going to shut some schools down. It's going to I, I don't think force it'll them to down. close out their sports programs completely or pick and choose where. But why? how could you not? Like if, you're, if your average revenue from tuition and sporting events and everything, let's call it $500 million. And then suddenly you have to pay every single one of the athletes you have on any one of your division. Oh my teams. God, you're going to only have $400 million. Whatever would you do with the other $400 million? I don't know. That's like, that's athletic scholarships. I mean, sorry, that's like educational scholarships. That's tuition uh, that's being paid out. That's don't, don't forget that that $400 million has to go towards all of your bills as well. But you're forecasting yes. Yes. a ton. And, and then now. Not only are you paying those athletes, but like there's there's, there's going to be a trade off that happens somewhere, and I'm I'm curious to see how it kind of shakes out because I I don't while I agree college athletes are being taken advantage of I really hope they take a smarter approach at this and let players pursue their own forms of compensation and regulate the school's involvement in that process maybe. Like players are free to do whatever they want to make money off of their likeness and whatever else. The school cannot have any part in it because then you have like the partnership like, between schools. Like church and state. You want it to be completely separate. Separate. Like I think it should be students can make money without sacrificing their eligibility, but the school is not involved in that compensation. So right now the problem is that players can't make any money off it. Only the school can make money off it. If we want to be able to keep things close to status quo, where all schools can continue to operate where they are now without having any significant loss to the the day-to-day operations in any negative fashion, remove yourself from your efforts to make money for the student other than your name. Obviously, if you go to Alabama, you're obviously a bigger marquee player you're going to draw a little bit more financial status. Um, Let players compete themselves to try and get to Alabama. Don't necessarily go out and recruit or find ways to make your players more money. And if they find out that that's the case and you're promising the players that come in that they're going to make a million dollars a year with Under Armour contracts because you already have an established Under Under Armour contract, that should be a significant penalty. But no player is going to make a million dollars a year. So I I think that's where I think Trevor Lawrence wouldn't have. 
He was well, like the I mean, number one it, selling jersey in college. So is it, uh, isn't it fantastic that they now decide to do name image likeness when one of the biggest players goes on to the pros? I mean, I don't no, know. But that's 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 every few years is the biggest player in, in, in college football. Exactly. Like it's, years ago, it was Tebow. A few years before that, it was Cam. All, all, all that, I'm saying probably... is that I think in order to, to keep things functional, but allow kids to make money, allow them to pursue their own means of income um but remove all school involvement from the income development side of things like it would be tough to regulate but then you don't have to worry about cuts having to be made or schools no longer being able to operate like those sort of things and i I do think i do think some states are going to run that way where the, the church and state will be completely separate and i do think some states won't and it'll be messy i do i do agree with you that there are going to be some cuts but I do think that we've gotten a little high off the hog and we, you know, we've, we've become used to the commodity the, the NCAA gives us and provides for us without mm-hmm. really paying attention to the second and third order effects. And I, I don't think 2020 necessarily just showed us, oh, maybe we need to be fiscally responsible. Maybe we need to value the human life that goes into these games every Saturday and Sunday or whether or not they want the eyes of Texas being played or they're kneeling for the national anthem or they have a different political view than you, whatever. I think all of that is a microcosm of America, right? Because that's what that's what sports is. It really is is it's a subsect of that. But I just think the NCAA has gotten away with it for so long. For them to not have a plan for how to implement this would be criminal, and it would be right up their alley because they just they thought, ah, we're good. We don't have to worry about this. This is never going to come back and hit us, so we're fine. And they're going to blame and make states like California and Texas and Florida the boogeyman and woman. Because those states have what fiscal ability to throw money at players, and a state like New Hampshire, Connecticut, Maine, mm-hmm. Montana, Hawaii might not have the same. I right. get it. There are going to be changes. College sports, as we know it, is going to change irrevocably, for better or for worse. I just think the NCAA should have seen this coming a long time. And the minute that that case was submitted to the Supreme Court, Mark Emmert. And the Board of Governors of the NCAA should have come up with a absolute no shit five alarm fire plan. Here's what we do in a majority Supreme Court ruling against us or a majority Supreme Court ruling for us. Yeah. And but that kind of they're gonna they're gonna vote and they're gonna yep. vote to barely keep their heads above water. Yep. I mean it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's really tough to 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 speculate on their half what the income loss is going to be, but we shall see. Interesting couple <laughs> of years coming up. Interesting year coming up, depending yeah. on when they decide to roll this out. I agree. I agree. All right, revenue that's a quick hit of this revenue sharing. Yeah, maybe Bitcoin. they get like uh, maybe the the players get a. I'm uh, just my my parting thought. I just came to me in a spout of ADD, but uh, oh, here we revenue go. Revenue sharing. No, I was gonna say just revenue sharing. Maybe they just get a portion of whatever the uh, the the ticket sales are per game divided up by all the players. I would also hurt people who don't show up to games, like North Dakota State. This is true. More incentive to show up right. to games. <laughs> well, they can't. Trey Lance is a San Francisco 49er, and uh, Carson Wentz is the Indianapolis Colt. Okay, everyone, thank you for joining us in this quick hit of the Stats from Reddit podcast. We'd like to bring you more of these quick, intimate hits. If you like them, leave us a comment. Let us know. We'll keep bringing you the hard-hitting content 
in between these episodes. Thank you all very much for your support of the Stats to Murder podcast. Talk to you soon. Peace.